Marcus. Yo. You like movies? Yes, I do. What do you think about the totality of localized data existing in their presence and spiritualized in them for genuine being consciousness, which we call subconsciousness, not having and not acquiring any logic Nestarian growths for confrontation and criticism, but having the very bargaining and beginning uh, p possibilities engendering the sacred being impulses we call faith, love, hope, and conscious, always believing, always loving, and always hoping in everything newly perceived? I'm going to have to think on that one. I was, uh, I was reading Gurdjieff, you know, of course, because why, why wouldn't I read some Gurdjieff? And I was reading the second part of uh, Beelzebub's Tales to His Grandson. And I found that that paragraph to be particularly interesting. Nice. Um, uh, uh, there's a very good movie based off of one of Gertrude's writings. I don't know if I've asked you if you've seen it before. But have we talked about this at all? I don't believe so. Well, one more thing to say is that this is episode 139 of Zebras in America podcast, and I was mostly reading that beautiful poem, well, writing by, by Gurdjieff, because I, I was trying to remember the, the name, that, that episode number of our podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there, there's a movie based off of Gurdjieff's writing. Gurdjieff was a mystic. And there's a great British film called Meetings with Remarkable Men. And if you're into the spiritual metaphysical movies, you know, Hourglass Sanitarium or any of uh, yeah. Hodorowski's movies, then and but you're like, this is too perverse, then I think you'll you'll like this movie. It's it's pretty good. I have and um speaking of, of Hodorowski our episode with Abba last week was awesome. Hell yeah, it was. And he's he's uh, he's a huge fan of of Hodorowsky. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but yeah, so I I finally decided to watch the new Charlie Kaufman movie this mm -hmm. week. Um called I'm, I'm thinking about ending things which I realized I didn't even see his last movie oh and I'm a Charlie loser. Charlie Kaufman's did you uh, but I think I think we've talked about this I don't know I the, what about the last Lisa? the last Charlie Kaufman movie yeah it's like animated I think animal Lisa yeah, I'd, I'd said it three times. Oh, well, you know, there's. I'm calling from Baltimore, so sometimes I don't hear everything. Oh. So, you know, you, you don't. Gotta fix to that so. wire. Dude, I did. Oh. You, the internet in Baltimore is, is just a, it's a little more wonky. It just is what it is. I guess the wire is not that good in Baltimore. If you think that I'm, I'm going to, no, I'm not going there, bro. What? Don't try to Marlow me, bro. Oh, man. That's just, that's but yeah, no, I, I, I don't think we talked about Anomalisa. If you hadn't seen it and I'm not the biggest fan of it, I feel like, yeah, like it, it, it definitely hasn't come up. So yeah, the, the Charlie Kaufman, who's like, obviously the darling of, you know, twee emotional film writing of the early aughts. Mm -hmm. A lot of his movies in the early aughts are considered masterpieces by a lot of people. Movies he wrote, not necessarily movies he directed. Sure. Because he, cause he didn't start directing movies until Synecdoche, New York, yes. which, which is excellent, in my opinion. But okay. it, much like this movie, it's it's dense and takes work. Thousand percent. And what I 
So, yeah, I'm thinking of ending things is Charlie Kaufman's new movie. It was released straight to Netflix and it's based off of a novel by Lane Reed that I haven't read and starring Jesse Plemons, who's who's low key, like slowly becoming a heavy hitter. Yeah, absolutely. Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette and David Thewlis. And but like, I got to tell you, Jesse Plemons went from like being the most bothersome sociopath in Breaking Bad to just like showing up in movies and killing it. Yep. All different kinds, all genres, all all characters, all different kinds. Yeah. And he's even in um, our good friend Shaka King's upcoming Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't know too much about the movies. I don't know too much about his character, but same. It seems like he's in it, and he just he's just. There's something about him. There's an uncomfortableness to his performances that, like, like Game Night, he's so messed up in Game Night. Yeah, he's got that weird thing where it's like he can play like a wholesome brother or dad character, but he can also be creepy, menacing, and like weirdly mysterious and uncomfortable. A lot of it, I think, is in his face. And his ability to kind of, I think he knows his face. He knows his facial expressions. He knows what he looks like. And I know that sounds, to some people, they're saying, what? Some actors don't have control of their, control of their face. Some actors don't know, you know, I'm going to use my forehead more. I'm going to accentuate my eyebrows. I'm going to accentuate my, li-, you know, like things like that. I think he's very much in control of his face and what his face can do and can't do. Right, and that's a that is a big part of acting. Yeah, and he was, he was, he was also in the very fantastic, bothersome, other people. Did I? I wouldn't recommend seeing that movie right now, Marcus, if you haven't seen it. But okay, wait, other people. What is that? It's it's him and Molly Shannon. Oh, that yeah, I, I didn't. See. Oh, right, yeah, 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 sure. I wouldn't suggest watching it right now because it's, you know, it's about a guy coming to grips with his his mom getting sick. Sure. Um, well, which I mean, is, we got that, aspects of that in, in, in the movie we're about to talk about, honestly. That is that is true. Yeah. And did you ever see the 2018 film Thunder Road? No. That's another... That's another movie that came and went, and M. Tume recommended it, mm-hmm. and it's very good. But it it's also about us. Um, the 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 start of the movie starts with starts at the main character's mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But All it's, right. But it's it's really good. It's a really good movie, and and it's like an actual indie film. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so back to I'm thinking of ending things. I'm thinking of ending things. The actual sentence is like a double entendre, triple entendre. Like it, it's a it's a vague and you know worrisome sentence. I'm thinking of ending things because that can mean right. that you're that it could both mean that you're thinking of like quitting a job or breaking up with your partner or you know, hurting yourself. It can mean a lot of things. Yeah. And this movie starts off, you're like, what's going on? You know, this this woman is meeting her boyfriend's parents, but they haven't been together that long. Sure. And you immediately feel like time and space are pliable in this story. And it's got a very play-like dialogue. It's it. Some of the the conversations remind me of Hal Hartley or Yargos Lanthimos. That sort of like what's going in your mind is also being said, and this back and forth and stream of consciousness. Absolutely. And then it it's it's an incremental growth into insanity because it starts off normal 
but then they get to the parents' house and she's thinking about breaking up with him. Yeah. And there's also like what seems like a side story. There's going to be spoilers, I think. Sure. For this movie. You can't not talk about certain things in this movie without spoiling them. As Scott, you know, alluded to earlier, there's like deep movie references, deep literature uh, reference, deep art references. Like there's so many like layers upon layers of of just just the references alone. I'm not even talking about like the movie. Yeah, like in the movie, there's this discussion of text and movies and plays and and art yeah and i think i think a lot of charlie kaufman's art is is like he is like the quintessential postmodern film writer filmmaker yeah his films are postmodern and in my opinion they're actually also good he deconstructs and reconstructs ideas in a way that i really enjoy because mm-hmm. Obviously, there's the movies he wrote, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you know, uh, Adaptation, Being John Malkovich, that spy movie that we forget he wrote. Oh, the Tim Robbins, Patricia Arquette one? No. Oh, there's that also with Peter Dinklage, Patricia Arquette. um... He wrote that one? Oh, shit. What is the name of that? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I don't like the movie, but we should hold on. Yeah. Michelle Gondry's first film. Oh, yeah, that weird movie. Yeah, yeah, because he did Being John Malkovich, Human Nature, Adaptation. What I was talking about was Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Oh, yeah, damn. Oh, yeah, yeah, Human Nature. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait, did I just forget that he wrote that? Yeah, you did. I definitely did. I mean, it makes sense. It's very Kaufman-esque. He's also one of those writers where, like, even though Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry have their own style, just movies he wrote, not produced or directed, you could still say Kaufman-esque, which is a talent, which is like a testament to his writing style, where like a lot of times when it comes to film, whenever you think of a style, it is director-oriented, but he's one of those few screenwriters who are just like, oh, it's Kaufman-esque, you know, which is, you know, kind of cool, or very right, cool. But, but he's also able to like do that right. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, so thinking about ending things, Charlie Kaufman, you know, like it starts off regular and you start, as you were saying, like there's a lot of like self-referential meta-narrative stuff going on. Yeah. Of like different styles, like text upon text upon text. And... Normally, I would call this sort of thing pretentious, but, like, if you're watching a Charlie Kaufman movie, like, do you really need to call yourself pretentious anyway? Like, no, you're watching a Charlie Kaufman movie. So, like, come on. No, I I get what you're saying, but. Like, is it, is the, is the movie a little pretentious? Sure. I mean, Synecdoche, New York was like a sprawling world within a play within a world. Like, that's the sort of thing that Charlie Kaufman as a director is doing. Yeah. But, you know, and and when they get to their parents' house, you start noticing the, like, the, 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 the star, the actress is like, her jobs keep on changing and how they met keeps on switching her, and her accent. I don't think that was her accent. <laughs> Sorry. I'm throwing shots. Look, man, I know that you and I disagree about this movie and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and then, and then when you're like, wait, is this movie going full weirdo? Then, then you know he get you get there and you meet the parents the mother played by Tony Collette mm-hmm. and the parents start changing their ages oh yeah and they start fluctuating and there's weird stories being happening and there's you're starting to meet this janitor character elsewhere and that part I thought was cool I I did enjoy all of that 
section of it. I, I will not. And and again, Scott alluded not to cut you off. Sorry, Scott alluded to earlier. Yeah, I mean we're friends, so we talk a lot, almost every day off record. I'm not gonna say specifically what I said when I get into it, but yeah, I didn't say the nicest things, you know, about this movie. But then afterwards, I realized I was kind of harsh, and I started naming other stuff that I liked. And I, but I didn't say I completely forgot. I did like the janitor aspect uh, of this. But anyway, go go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean the criticisms you made off record, I didn't love. But we don't have to love everything about each other's criticisms. Sure. You know, like I know our listeners are waiting for us to have our first real fight, and you know. It ain't gonna happen on air, guys. This is this is not like wrestling. I'm not gonna body slam Marcus in the middle of a podcast. We're not. We're not gonna do a camera on Jim Jones where no Jim Jones wanted like to fake adults, a beef. Yeah, like adults, when we have issues with each other, we talk to each other. Yeah. You know, we we aren't like the Peloton poppies of the world. We are not passive aggressive. We talk. Because that's what adults that's what adults do. They talk, they say what's going on. And that's in this movie, it's not as clear. You're like you're taking a little while and it obviously it would be pretty easy to be cheap and be like, oh, it's Lynchian, but Oh god. Like it's like it it's dumb that anytime a movie is weird or non-linear in the American canon it's got to be Lynchian, especially, you know what I mean? especially for someone who, I mean, okay, let's just say the first short film he made, period. So it's as if people think that at by 1970, that prior to 1970, when David Lynch made it technically 1969, prior to that, surreality and weirdness and complete off the wall oddballness didn't start until David Lynch. Like, it's kind of like, and I'm saying this as a David Lynch fan, so. Right. Yeah. It's like saying John. It's like saying John Bryan created the Glockenspiel. Or right. 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 It's just. It's just. You know. It, I, be be a little be a little more creative, guys. I'll also you know at some point in this episode I will absolutely clear up most of what I said in my text. Um some of it I don't think was fair, but I'll 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 I'll, I'll clarify because that's what we have this podcast for when when it comes to this movie specifically. But um, anyway, right? Because like for me, as as the 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 reality and the unreality starts happening mm-hmm. and things start falling apart, mm-hmm. you know, you start realizing that it's like a complex fever dream and and what i really feel about charlie kaufman is that he wants to make plays he's a playwright sure i mean that's a big part of what synecdoche was was about was putting on this like i mean you, you can dumb it down and say he was trying to make a play but it was almost like you had said this on a previous podcast before it's like he was trying to do like a Tao type thing where it was like uh Right, a whole experience rooted in theater and plays, but it was a bit more than that. Right, it's like a world within a world within a play within a within a live action role playing yeah. game within a thing. Yeah, and that this is this is the kind of world that he's trying to do, and I can tell from at least these two pieces of him as a director mm-hmm. that, and also his. Obviously, like his interest in performance-based puppetry and being John Malkovich, I think he, I, I, I believe him to be in love with plays. Yeah, and this is something that you actually really see in I'm thinking of ending things more so, in my opinion, than Synecdoche, New York. Even though Synecdoche, New York, is about a play. And there, there is sort of a play in this movie in a way as well, but you, I believe you could redo this movie as a play in a theater, and it would work. And in fact, it would be really cool mm-hmm. with the makeup mm-hmm. changes and the because because the 
it's a minimal, it's very minimal in its design. There aren't a lot of set pieces. There's not a lot of scenery. Mm-hmm. It's a play. Sure. Yeah. And, and what, what, the reason why I really liked it, and this is like, and this, what I didn't do, I think something that I'm really lucky about that I, that I would implore you to do a little more about more of mm. is, is I, I plug out from movie internet. Oh man, you know, this is a good segue. I look at movie, I look at movie internet for like thirty minutes a week. Sure. And so it keeps me sane. It keeps me less angry. It keeps me just like tight. And so I was avoiding any criticism of this except for um, non-films because because they said the movie was great but i'm not super surprised because they really do love the work of charles kaufman and we've we've both talked about how much we really love synecdoche new york and the more i watch it the more it it moves me but like i'm also i'm in love with long form complex emotional pieces Mm -hmm. this movie actually isn't that long comparatively or is it it's like two hours no it's like two hours 40 minutes okay i'm wrong it's a long movie but like Mm -hmm. some of the movies that really stick with me some of the movies like that of the past decade that are like filled with despair and power are like lyrical complex long movies like dude the more i think about our time the more i think it's like I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but it's but sure. it, but it's good, dude. Yeah, and, I um, you know, been thinking about going back to watch that bad boy a, again because the palette of it, like, I don't even care what it's about. Yeah, even like I don't care. Like I, I think it's. I know this sounds like super pretentious, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be pretentious this episode, and that's okay. I know who I am. And and I'm proud of who I am. I've grown. I learn. And like sometimes the stuff we talk about is a little bit pretentious. I don't know. I'll be that. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I am who I am, Marcus. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I actually, in some ways, I don't think the plot of our time even really matters. Hmm. Even though I'm sure for Regatus and his wife, it really does. Sure. Well, I, I, yeah, they, I, yeah. Their movies, in in a lot of ways, especially this and Post Tenebris Lux, is putting their shit in our faces and airing their dirty laundry. Maybe I don't know. Art, mm-hmm. life, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. And giving us this thing, and us watching it and watching it unfurl and the messiness, but. It's the breaths in between the the deterioration of all of that 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 really sucks me in the the color palettes and the the furniture of the emotions. You know what I'm saying? Of course, I know what you're saying. Just and like um, five minutes of like kids playing in the mud, or or like you mm-hmm. know, uh, we're at a party. Clearly, this movie has a plot. We're gonna get somewhere, but let's just dwell on this guy with the kiss face paint playing the keyboard for a little while, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Or you know, this guy who's very important, uh, chubby Casey Affleck. Well, his name's Phil Burgers, the guy who is in this kind of love triangle. There's a lot of serious stuff going on, but let's kind of dwell on him trying to like break a horse for like seven minutes. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? This has nothing to right. do with essentially what I'm using air quotes uh, about. But yeah, all that stuff. Well, that's why I love Regattas, man. I mean, right. uh, you know, I, 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 I literally everything I'm saying, you can copy and paste and repeat about, you know, uh, Silent Light, Post Tenebris Lux, uh, definitely Hapone, Battle and Battle and Heaven, not, 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 not so much, but whatever, four out of five movies, if you can say the same great things about, you know. All, all, all of his films and that's what uh you know to bring it back to this uh after i said some of the stuff that i had said which i was gonna say well, what, I, what, what what you said oh go ahead i just want to say one more thing about yeah our time is oh. there's a couple scenes in our time where i'm not even sure 
whether they're happening in the here and now. I'm not certain that some of the scenes of the children are not in the past. Like mm. there's there's mm-hmm. a there there's they're also playing along in time. Oh, of course. Where where this movie has a lot more dialogue and a lot more interplay. But you were gonna say Well uh, you said about unplugging from and this is something I say to myself, I just I haven't followed through. I think part of I, I just want to be clear. Th- this is something I actually avoided. I didn't see right away. I, I actually tuned out to what pe- people were saying about this movie until after I, I sought out what folks were saying. But what Scott was saying is, I think this may have been a case where I should have tuned out to um, movie so 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 social media. I'm um, it definitely played some part of my dislike in it. So I'll admit some of my dislike in a movie, and this has to do with any movie, whatever. I've said this about uh, Mitten Marin Mino. I've said this about plenty of stuff. Sometimes movies, it's not the movie's fault why I have, may have an issue with it, and I think the part of it is now. If you take that part out, let, like let 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 let's just be clear. I don't. I wasn't too crazy about this movie even being unflu. At least I I hope so. Who know? I like this is this conversation is almost turning into something like a set of dialogue from I'm thinking of ending things because it's like, I know that I'm not influenced by something, but do I know? I don't know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't confidently know that I'm not subconsciously influenced by other people's thoughts about this movie, you know? But, yeah, but um, that's, also, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what our podcast is to a certain extent. Yeah. Right. It's, it is us discussing text and in discussing other texts talking about other text and then figuring out our experience based on our because nothing happens in a vacuum we've we're 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 in our late 30s and we've been watching movies since we were five and Mm -hmm. everything is everything and is connected to everything yeah but one thing i chose not to do after finishing this movie is read people's hot takes on what quote unquote really happened. <clears throat> oh, I, I, I don't get. Yeah, no, same. Which is which is what I which is what I just don't do anymore. I, I've said this on the podcast before. Um, when Mulholland Drive came out, I was and just that's, about to that's say Jesus Christ. Why, I was just go ahead. I was just yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, there's a reason why we have a podcast together. Yeah. Uh. When I first watched Mulholland Drive, I was 19 years old, maybe 20, and I rented it from Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And I I was like, I'm smart, but I don't know what's happening. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually I watched the movie two or three times in a row that night. Wow. Until I could figure out what the movie's about. And I don't know if I've said it before on this podcast before, but I will try to say it very quickly um, that what I believe it to be about is some sort of purgatory of the Naomi Watts character, uh, what she wants to happen and what is happening as she's dying from hurting herself. Mm-hmm. That's That's what I think. But I also haven't watched the movie in a long time. But I, I think I might because I think it's a very good movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm in pretty much agreeance. Um, but like we were just saying with Carlos Rigadas, there's so much other shit in Mulholland Drive where like, yeah, there's a plot. And, and it's essentially, it is, I, I also agree pretty much with what Scott said. But there's so many like references to like specific incidents that happened in like classic hollywood or what happened behind the scenes in real life with these people i mean the naomi watts character literally is rooted in a real person we don't have to get into that so it's like kind of like i'm thinking of ending things it's like yeah this is about that but it doesn't but that description doesn't do anything justice of, of what's happening in these two plus hours so right and it's and it's also not like it's also not really obnoxious you know what I mean? What what, what wait what what what's 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 not obnoxious? 
sometimes like it can be really um, pretentious and obnoxious the way text is brought up like like Alan Moore's comics sometimes it's like you need like annotations to understand what's going on and like even though this work the I'm thinking of ending things references a lot of other works yeah you don't you don't need all of the works to understand them and even when there's like these little like time travel movements when they go to like what seems to be like a dairy queen to get a treat and you're like what's going on here it's like it's like pretty creepy but it's also confusing and hurtful and you get some some vibes uh almost of like punch drunk love or something and but then they're like arguing about Cassavetes in the car and then you know it all ends in a questioning of unreality who go back for a second who also was a lesser acknowledged playwright who also did stuff like he would put on three different plays in one night using the same actors but different stories and was kind of doing his own kind of like world inside of a world, things happening at the same kind of thing. I mean, it's John Casavetta, so he's film director and actor, but he also tried to do, he, he gave up film for a while, well, he said he did, because he wanted, he thought only, he thought what he could do could only be accomplished in, in, in the theater. So he like, for a couple of years, just, dived in you know dived into the theater he used like john voight and his peter Falk, like his regulars and he tried to do a lot of like stuff inside of stuff going on at the same time con intentionally convoluted kind of stuff so it's interesting that charles kaufman would reference john cassavetes you know who and i'm willing to bet all with all the references that happen in this movie i feel like he would have to know that about john cassavetes which would probably be a reason why he would bring him up i i mean i I, I'd, I'd have to think that. And there's also like no question that Charles Kaufman is a very smart person. Yeah. He wrote, <laughs> he, uh, I mean, Get a Life. You know, even before people knew him, Get a Life. I still love the fact that like, if you listen to the commentary track on, I think, season three or season four of Mr. Show, they talk about how he submitted writing for that show and they turned him down every time. And I'm just like, that's weird because Mr. Show seems so Kaufman-esque because like a skit would bleed into another skit and then you'd forget about it. And then the end of the show, they would reference the first skit. It's such a like, it's weird. But they were saying that about themselves. They were just like, wow, the structure of our show is so perfect for Charles Kaufman. And then when one of them said that, you know, we turned down his work, another person on the commentary track, they're like, wait, really? Like they were almost in disbelief. So it's like he's 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 been doing this for for a very long time. His style, right. I mean. And I'm really glad that he's coming into his own though because this this movie I would like to see what he does moving forward. I would like to see him find a happy medium between this and Synecdoche and what he's been working on because at the same time this work is still like very dense and not completely accessible to everybody. But I would I would wonder what would happen. For me, this is this is a type of horror movie. I call I think of this as a neurotic horror. Wow. But I wonder if like horror friends of us of our show, like especially like uh Mr. Cornish, if you're listening, or Frank the Tank or John Arminio, you know, I got to say John and Frank are sweethearts and they are very nice to me when I text them weird ass questions about heavy metal. Sure. You know, I wonder like, is, is it, is it too outsider of the metal milieu, uh, the uh, horror milieu to be considered a horror movie, even though it's like very it's not completely clear what's going on and i'm not going to totally give away the ending but i think if you you probably have watched the movie if you're listening to this episode and of course yeah i, 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 there, I would hope so it's like 
It's somewhere in between. Um, hmm, I'm going to get smart right now. Okay. Somewhere in between Fight Club and The Master and that weird like horror movie with John Cusack where there's all these people in a hotel trying to figure out a murder mystery. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yes, Peloton Poppy's favorite movie. Um Identity. Um yeah, it's yeah. it it's funny. See, this is a good example of why we have a podcast cuz it's like we don't agree on this movie, <laughs> but everything every single movie you just named I kind of can't stand and it's almost like you like it, but your some of the things you're saying are reinforcing why I don't like it. So I kind of appreciate that. Like Fight Club, Identity, oh, yeah, totally. The Master. It's like, oh, oh boy. Like every each movie you named, I went, ah. Well, I'm not saying well, actually, I think the I think the master has moments of brilliance. I think I think Fight Club is is a culturally important movie. Oh, I can't argue that. Yeah, I can't argue that. And a movie that really hits the pulse, especially of like the issues of like it's a very I don't know if I'm allowed to say it's a feminist movie, but I know smarter people than me and women have pointed out that if you think the movie's a men's rights movie, it's very silly because it really takes a look at the issues of the modern man and how there really something is something really is afoot in um in toxic masculinity and that there <laughs> must be a counterpoint, a divine masculinity, uh, a well-rounded way of, of being a man in America that doesn't hurt and diminish and conquer and do such unkind things. Cause, cause we're, we're all better than that. You know what I mean? Oh man! Over the last twenty years, I what I do appreciate about I'm generally speaking because some because what you said is true. There the there are some movies that are just used incorrectly as like a flag for the wrong people. But like Tyler Durden, uh, particularly The Matrix and Fight Club. But that but I'm as male characters, not even so much Matrix or Neo, but it's like Tyler Durden, Alex DeLarge from Clockwork Orange, Travis Bickle various jokers especially heath ledger and now joaquin phoenix where it turns to a point where it's just like i hate it, it, it it's like you're missing the point and i know that sounds mad arrogant to just you're missing the point but it's true if you like love these oh i love these guys there's potentially a problem like you know but and it's like you yeah. can love the movie you i love clockwork orange i love taxi driver sure, but i keep course. but i keep those things to myself because unfortunately for quite some time it's been like you get grouped in and that's my own insecurity of not wanting to be grouped in with certain people but i don't want people to think like i think travis bickle is cool i don't want people to think alex is i think alex is cool or like i think heath ledger's joker is cool i like those movies and that's kind of you know so there's been a pushback recently where great there's been great pieces of writing on these type of archetypes where it's just like these movies, some of these movies are all depending on how you look at it are great, but the, 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 the main character, he's not like the good guy and that's okay, but it, it's okay to separate a great movie from like the, the main character. And unfortunately I think for a long time, yeah. people have not been doing that. Just, I mean, look at, it's like I, a pop culture. It's like posters and keychains and tattoos. And it's like, I'm worried if you have a tattoo of Tyler Durden or like Alex from the clockwork orange, I like, it kind of worries me a little bit, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So the thing about like these, these characters that have taken the hearts and minds of like young, angry men in this country is that the characters you're talking about are not even like anti-heroes. They're anti-villains no. and or just you villains. don't need to. Yeah, you don't need to root for them. Yeah. You can enjoy their exploits and not be like they're misunderstood. Like Travis oh, Bickle God. is a is yeah. a violent antisocial, probably sociopathic racist. Yep. He's not he's not someone to aspire to be. Yeah. He's someone you're supposed to see him and be like, you know, I I can be better than this. I can be rejected by women and instead of turning that into 
some sort of violent angst and vigilantism yeah i can i can become a person that uh that attracts people that are kind and caring and but you know you don't like tyler durden is is it is toxic there's there's midway points there's not just one thing there's many ways to be a good person and and what i really want to say to be a good man Mm -hmm. because because like the reason why the jordan petersons and the proud boys and the fucking red pills of the world are 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 gaining traction is because there is a problem with the american male yeah i just disagree what the solution is and disagree what it is like like yeah should we clean our rooms and be accountable and all that stuff yes but that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the with women or or compassion or empathy what what really disgusts me and and I, i don't like to really get ultra political about my points about the current administration because obviously i i'm happy to get political my views on capitalism and police violence and white supremacy are very clear mm-hmm. but what disgusts me is is the lack of empathy but i diverge i divert what i'm trying to say is is in the movie uh, I'm thinking about ending things. It's got this sort of, you know, ambience of the master or fight club or that movie I was just telling you about with John Cusack, where they're all in a hotel. You had the name of it. Yeah. Identity. Where you're like, Oh, there's something going on here. This is not the reason why it doesn't feel like reality. The reason why it feels like unreality is because it is an unreality. Right. And all of this is going on, maybe in someone's mind. And for me, it becomes like this tragic, comic, absurdist play told in the form of cinema. Like Samuel Beckett and Stephen Sondheim and Terrence Davies work together in the mind of Charlie Kaufman to make a postmodern mess and it's disquietly beautiful Mm. and the performances move me and the more i think about this movie the more it's a contender for top five for me Mm. okay i mean look to clear things up a little bit part of it is i mean you've you've gotten personal so i guess you know there's nothing wrong with that i i don't for for non personal reasons though, I swear to God, I just don't like. I know this sounds insensitive. People are characters like the main character, and I, and and that could be my problem to, to 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 work out because it's like, look, I'll talk about the positives of this movie first. I love seeing David Thewlis have this weird kind of mini resurgence. David Thewlis is the father oh, yeah. for those of you who don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Plemons, he between this. What I have a sense about our friend Shaka's film between that, between now and then, I think J- Jesse Plemons is going to get this kind of like lead role that 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 he deserves. Um, but you know, ultimately, I think my my issue is, and this is a mishmash of personal stuff, being influenced by other people's things that I sought out. It's not like people force their shit on me, but I I just think s- it, there is to me. And I'm not necessarily Charles Kaufman. Well, he has actually said certain things in interviews over the years. I just think, to some degree, there is a romantic romanticization of various forms of depression. And I'm not even speaking necessarily about. I, I'm thinking of ending things. I, I it, it 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 was the catalyst for me to think this. And ultimately, sometimes I worry it makes me sound insensitive to people who are actually depressed in whatever, whether you're mildly, seriously, whatever. Part of it is, I'm not trying to be a martyr, Some my, my issue with people romanticizing depression is because I care about folks with who are depressed. Actual e- 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 depression. E- e- even mildly. And I realize that even by saying this, I could, when I say I don't like this movie, I don't like people romanticizing depression, I could be writing off folks who really are depressed because some people like to make light of or like to, because sometimes when you're depressed, 
you seek out attention by making a meme about you being depressed or you send a cryptic text to someone. Oh, I was just joking, but it actually was was a cry for help. So I say all right. that knowing that sometimes that that's that also. I just don't necessarily like that. But I'm all, I'm I'm kind of like maybe it's just some shit yeah. I don't get. You know, I See, I, 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 I I don't mind admitting that maybe there's just shit I maybe there's stuff I don't get. See, I I completely disagree. Like I think that that I don't believe this movie to make light of depression, and I do see that there's a a sort of thing that's going on in the world where people who probably aren't depressed or don't suffer from personality disorders or DSM you know, applicable issues that sort of commodify things like, like anxiety commodification is a total thing. Mm. Uh, people, there's totally people being like, I had a manic episode. And let me tell you, friend, I've seen manic episodes, what people describe as manic episodes, or I'm so OCD, like, that's not what it is. Yeah. But I, I, I still want people, even if they're casually talking about it or or making light of it, it's it's bringing it into the into the discussion, mm-hmm. and it's making people feel comfortable about it. And I think this movie, even though there's obviously mental health fabric throughout the whole uh, fabric of it, mm-hmm. it's it's really more about like to me like loneliness and missed opportunities Mm. and what could be and what happens in, in your mind when you're lonely and, and how easy it is to get lost in the worlds in our mind instead of going out and being in the world that we can be in. Sure. Okay. You know, that's my, that's my take from it. I also feel like, and this is personal again, I wish this was his second movie, or rather, I wish this followed uh, Schenectady, Schenectady, and it, it, there was no Amelisa in between. This isn't about Amelisa, I just don't really like, like that movie, but I feel like I'd be, if this movie followed directly after uh, Schenectady, I'd be a little nicer to it. I think it would have been a perfect transition, um, but I don't know. But at the same time, like, what are you going to do? He made the movies when he made the movies. Um so. Yeah, and I, I, I just, I really, I really was moved by it, and like what it actually is about, and what the secrets are. Yeah, I actually don't care. I just enjoyed getting lost in it, and and um, having the distraction of trying to understand someone else's sadness and not think about mine. Mm. Well, well, that that's a that is that's a statement. Yeah, um, and and I know that we probably could wax about this a lot more. Yeah, but I think for my own mental health and healthiness, uh, I've hit a threshold for talking about this, and you know we have we have some really exciting episodes coming up. And, oh, uh, do we? Yes. So if that actually comes through, it's going to be wild. And so I'm thinking about starting things, but I'm also thinking about ending this episode.
Let's see.